0: Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome back to part two of CT of the Stomach. And we were talking about staging gastric cancer, so let me just do a few more things. One is CT is very good at looking at local spread. Here you can see spread by the celiac, spread extending toward the spleen. Here we can see spread from the stomach extending downward into the gastrocolic ligament with infiltration. And in fact, on the coronal view, you can see fistulization between the transverse colon and the stomach. So stomach tumors can grow down the gastrocolic ligament. So it's very important to look there. It's very important to look at the omentum. Another example here with an infiltrating gastric cancer, there's a stent in place in the stomach. You can see that the tumor is growing outside toward the pancreas. You can see it's growing toward the colon. As we scan further downward, it's growing toward the right lower quadrant. There's ascites present. And you can see when you look at the coronal view, it's very nicely showing you the infiltration in the gastrocolic ligament. So this case does enforce the point that one of the things you want to do is look at the coronals and then looking even at the 3Ds, which allow you to see direct extension. So gastrocolic ligament infiltration extension is best seen on the coronal view. And here's just one more set of views that really nicely show you that. And of course, this would make the patient unresectable. This patient, linitis plastica, tumor infiltration, and extension down the gastrocolic ligament. There's been articles looking about this, adding NPR images to CT axial. Improves capability for distinguishing T3 to T4 gastric disease and prediction of adjacent organ invasion. And that's no great surprise, right? Combination of transverse CT and NPR is more accurate than transverse CT slices alone. But this is something we've always said, and again, the images I showed you a few moments ago make that point very nicely. The preoperative prediction of T4 tumors is of particular importance in determining resectability and the extent of surgery. Researchers in some studies reported that the combined resection of invaded organs increased mortality and morbidity without overall survival gain. And T4 tumors have been traditionally regarded as unresectable. So that indeed becomes very important. When we're staging gastric cancer, we look at the stomach, obviously. We look at the nodes. Here you can see celiac nodes. We look for the gastrocolic spread or any spread locally, omentum, but also we look at the liver. Liver lesions are typically hypodense. They're in the one to three centimeter range. Here are some larger liver lesions. You can see nicely here the sagittal view showing the bulky tumor, the adenopathy, as well as liver metastasis. We talk about infiltration, a linitis plastica type appearance. We often think about that in metastasis like breast cancer, but you can see it here very nicely as well with infiltration of the stomach, ascites, and carcinomatosis, nicely seen. Or we can see something I mentioned before about a lot of food in the stomach. There's a transition point in the antrum of the stomach. There's infiltration. That's a bulky or infiltrating adenocarcinoma. And when you look a little bit lower, you see the carcinomatosis on the omentum and the mesentery and the ascites present. And you can see that again on these images where the tumor spread, you see the thickening in the antrum, the increased enhancement, and then very nicely the carcinomatosis. So when we're looking at gastric cancer, we're looking at spread of disease. Now you can see most of what I've spoken to you about in the last few minutes is local spread and then we could have distance spread, and that could be the bone, it could be the lung, but it could be the ovary. We talk about Krukenberg tumors, we talk about sometimes ovarian can metastasize the stomach, but stomach mets to ovary is very classic, and Krukenberg tumors, which can be seen in many GI malignancies, nicely shown in this example. Now when you think about gastric cancer and the pitfalls, even with good techniques, small flat lesions can be missed. Accurate definition of depth of invasion may be difficult, particularly if you're uh, doing CT after the patient has had a biopsy, where you would tend to overcall spread of disease. And again, nodal involvement is difficult to call. Now remember, we typically say 10 to 15 millimeters is where nodes become abnormal, but with gastric cancer and esophageal cancer and the gastropatic ligament, we basically say anything above 6 millimeters is going to be positive. When you think about gastric cancer there are other things both malignant and non-malignant which can be confused from lymphoma and gist and metastasis which we'll cover in a few moments to some benign things like gastritis and h pylori infection so we'll talk about those one thing i mentioned a moment ago is when you have a biopsy you want to be careful not to call extension beyond the stomach they have a perforated ulcer, the same thing is true. With an ulcer perforation, you see stranding in the fat around the stomach and there's a tendency to overcall the extent of disease by assuming the patient has spread. Ulceration, perforation and biopsy can all confuse you and lead to overcalling disease and you can see that here as well in these few images. So again, in those cases, mention the spread but say some of those disclaimers. You don't want to make a patient unresectable just because they had a perforated ulcer and again looking at things in different planes and perspectives can be helpful but you're still going to reach that same problem so it can be difficult. Now when we talk about gastric tumors we always talk about malignant tumors and adenocarcinoma is the big gorilla, the most common and then we talk about lymphoma. It's the most frequent GI site of malignant lymphoma but it's only under 5% of gastric malignancies. Most are non-Hodgkin's. Uh, primary gastric Hodgkin's disease is extremely rare. There are risk factors for primary GI lymphoma. I mentioned before some of the risk factors for adenocarcinoma, but with lymphoma, celiac disease, HIV, immunodeficiency syndromes, colitis, Crohn's, and immunosuppression are all serious risk factors. Patients with celiac disease have a 200-fold increased risk of developing lymphoma, particularly T-cell lymphoma. So again, there's certain things you need to be thinking about. More than 90% of cases of mortal lymphoma are associated with H. pylori infection. In some cases, eradication of the H. pylori alone can lead to remission of low-grade lymphomas. So it is kind of interesting, but also these low-grade lymphomas can transform into high-grade lymphomas as well. When you look at lymphoma, clinical presentations are non Abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, anorexia, weight loss, sounds like small bowel cancer, sounds like pancreatic cancer, sounds like colon cancer. Um, can be a tough diagnosis early. GI bleeding is uncommon. Up to half of patients can present with palpable masses but that's typically when the tumor is indeed bulky Two patients may present with acute processes from intersusception, obstruction or bowel perforation. When we talk about gastric lymphoma, patterns of involvement from polypoid lesions to diffuse infiltration to ulcerations to mucosal nodularity. So very much what we described way back when on upper GI series, the appearance of, uh, on CT, the infiltrating type, which is probably the one we see most, wall thickening with little enhancement, 4-5 to 5 cm thickness, diffuser segmental, and when it's not very bulky, it can be difficult to distinguish from carcinoma. We can have polypoid masses, we can have adenopathy. We used to talk about if lesions were very large, more likely lymphoma, If patients had nodes and they were bulky, more likely lymphoma. If the nodes were beneath the renal hilum, more likely lymphoma. So lymphoma can extend beneath the renal hilum without perigastric adenopathy. Adenocarcinoma, usually if you have uh, nodes beneath the uh, renal hilum, you're also gonna see nodes up high in the celiac and peripancreatic type chains. Lymphoma can extend into the duodenum. The nodes are usually bulkier and larger in lymphoma and perigastric flat planes are more likely to be preserved compared to adenocarcinoma. Now sometimes it's just a tough call. I think you can do very well, say there's what we suspect a tumor, do biopsy. Malt lymphoma uh, is a low-grade lymphoma associated with H. pylori infection and may have wall thickening which is often minimal and look identical to gastric cancer. So in this patient, there's gastric thickening and we know there's a tumor but there's really no adenopathy present. I thought this was adenocarcinoma. That's not a bad call. Bottom line, you need a biopsy. This example, more bulky tumor, but no significant adenopathy. Infiltration, and we have cases with adenocarcinoma which can be bulky like this. Um, But again, when you start looking at the nodes in this patient, you realize the nodes are much larger than you would think you would see adenocarcinoma so lymphoma probably should have been at the top of our list or in this case very large lobular folds look at the lesser curvature they're not enhancing as much again could this be adenocarcinoma I guess could this be severe gastritis I guess this was lymphoma or in this case again diffuse infiltration antrum to right to duodenum If it crosses into duodenum, it's more likely lymphoma, but it can be somewhat of a challenge. Lymphoma can be large. Look at the size of this case. Look at the extent of diffuse gastric involvement, the ulcerations. Look at the peripancreatic and periodic adenopathy. Look at the patient's liver masses. Look at the adenopathy going up the GE junction. Really impressive adenopathy and infiltration, very nicely seen. Could this be adenocarcinoma? I guess you could think about it, but at the end of the day, the disease is so extensive that I really gotta be thinking lymphoma. Bulky lesions, you gotta think lymphoma, spread into the omentum and mesentery like this, you gotta be thinking lymphoma. It's important, these patients need biopsy, and you can surely make the call. And you can see with lymphoma, there's distortion of vessels, but there's really not going to be the full extent of um, encasement that you might see more likely with an adenocarcinoma. Now, the third type of tumor is a GIST tumor. And we are seeing more GIST tumors now than ever, gastrointestinal stromal tumors. They're typically invi- divided into the myogenic types, neurogenic and less differentiated tumors. They make up only 1% of gastric cancers, but we are seeing them more frequent. And maybe I notice them because they're all very, very impressive. Just tumors in general arise from common precursor cells. They display spindle cell or epithelioid morphologic characteristics. They have very specific immunohistochemical markers CD117 protein positive, CD34 protein positive, and S100 and Desmin positive. If you look at just tumors, they can occur anywhere in the GI tract from the esophagus to the rectum, but about 70% are in the stomach. About 20 to 30% are in the small bowel and the rest are anywhere else. And most of the ones I see are small bowel and stomach, and the stomach are typically the largest. If you look at them, there's about a 10 to 30% chance of malignancy with malignancy increasing with size over 5 cm, they're typically considered malignant. Under 5 cm, the pathologist will hedge. The reality is almost any gist tumor can become malignant and can recur. They can extend locally and it's diagnosed beyond the lab tests by greater than one mitosis per 50 in a high powered field. When you look at the appearance, we talk about exogastric masses, we talk about common ulcerations, the fact that tumors can be more inhomogeneous with ulcerations present. And again, metastasis commonly go locally to nodes and to the liver. When you have liver metastasis from gist tumors, the metastasis are often going to be cystic. When you talk about the smaller gist and most of the gist tumors, I like to think in the stomach of these large ones, which are exophytic. We'll come to that, but you can see sub- epithelial lesions, and then you have a long differential from glomus tumors to ectopic pancreas to ganglioneuromas. And sometimes they're like this, nice, well-defined smooth lesion, three centimeters. This should be benign. Again, this is an example of where the tumor is intraluminal. Another example, look at this large mass here. You can see the tumor is intraluminal, bulky. That's a gist tumor. Again, a little bit atypical because most gist tumors are exophytic. Another example here, large polypoid mass, it looks like, of the fundus of the stomach, very, very classic for a GIST tumor. Adenocarcinoma is not going to look like that. It's just going to look different. And here it is on the sagittal views. Again, very bulky tumor pushing into the stomach. You can see ulceration, classic GIST tumor. Or this case, where the tumor again is going into the stomach and there's a large ulceration present. Very, very nice example of a gastric gist tumor. And here it is on the coronal display as well. Very nice example, very nice ulceration. So just a very classic appearance. Now sometimes these exophytic gist tumors we'll see are gonna be so large that it's hard to tell where they originate. Sometimes it's easy. Here's an exophytic gist tumor, but it's relatively small, 4CM or so. Classic appearance, there's nothing else. Here it is in the coronal view, classic appearance. Here it is in the 3D view, classic appearance. But then we go from there and we say, whoa, look at this gist tumor. Look at the size of that mass. Here it's, is it pushing on the stomach or is it arising from the stomach? You can look at the coronal view. Is it pushing on the stomach or is it from the stomach? I think it can be a challenge at times when you've seen a lot of them, you kind of get used to the appearance. But if you haven't seen a lot, it can be very difficult. You talk about perigastric lesions, you talk about sarcomas, this is a just tumor. Another example, look at the size of this tumor. Just indeed very, very impressive how large the patient's tumor is. Again, it's mainly exophytic, very, very nice example. And you can see when you look at the coronals and the volume rendered views, look how large this lesion can be. So it is somewhat of a classic diagnosis. When you see just tumors, there's really not a whole lot of trick as to what these tumors are indeed. You know, I see someone saying that it's getting a bit late. Why don't we stop there? I was gonna continue on just tumors and I will, because I'm gonna talk about some of the important decisions in terms of medical management. So why don't we start at just tumors in part three of the stomach, and let's come back. Why don't you take a 15-minute break? Uh, We're serving uh, hot chocolate and cookies outside, and then we'll see you right back here. Bye.